Hello? Dens? What's up, buddy? Who is this? Adam John Taylor. How goes it? AJT here. How goes it? Good, good. How are you? Um, I've been doing great since, um, since you started to leave me alone. Like I asked you to on our text this morning. <laughs> I believe I said, leave me alone. Just leave me alone. <laughs> it's so annoying texting with you. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm drawing a blank here. I'll have to go back to uh, the texting history to figure that one out. But uh, I, I saw it play out, play out differently. Of course you did. <laughs> Typically, don't see eye to eye with stuff, or we interpret things a little different. Different. Yeah, it's, it's all about it's all about perspective. It's all about perspective. And I'm trying to gain a new perspective on my life. How's the uh, sunshine sunshine state treating you? Wonderful. I'll send you a picture of what I'm looking like, and you <laughs> you can be the judge of how it's treating me. <laughs> Um, for, for the audience, uh, Adam, uh, maybe about two or three weeks ago was compelled to send me pictures of himself on the beach, um, which I didn't, I absolutely did not consent to, uh, they just appeared and it was him in different States, uh, on the beach. I believe, I believe some of them had a, a shirt over my head, right? <laughs> Because the sun was beating down so hard, you know, on me. <laughs> but did you get a chance to see my tan in those pictures, though? I mean, I'm pretty dark. It's 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 kicking in. I mean, rightfully so. Sunshine state, you know, outdoors all all day or most of the time. So, yeah, comes but, to the territory. But, but, no, it just doesn't come with the territory. Not everyone that comes to Florida is able to get a tan in the way that I have a tan. Mm. Yeah. So that's where, I, that's where I beg to differ. Just because someone's living or someone's in Florida doesn't mean they're naturally going to look like I look right now. Okay. Again, okay. Uh, agree, disagree. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, I'm, this is uh, this episode is coming off the heels of uh, I think so far. I mean, our favorite episode. Maybe the, the audience feels uh, slightly different, but uh, Chris Heron and uh, you know, you know, his persona, his image, his abilities. Um, again, being a mass guy, uh, you know, you know, former Celtics player, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, I think. I think we can announce it, right? Is uh, you know we were hoping for some reaction from his team, his entities, and uh, you know we did not get that kind of response. So maybe if our audience members knows Chris Aaron and knows someone on the team, <laughs> please listen to episode number sixteen. It was one on record so far, our longest episode. Two, it was all about someone we've met for a total of like fifteen minutes. <laughs> Well, so, not if you count that. Not if you count the the sitting through the entire lecture, the talk that he gives, then you could say that it, it was longer. Yeah, yeah. over 
15 years. <laughs> so, uh, uh, was that the one that I had the most fun with for sure? Yeah, yeah, same, same, same. Um, so yeah, um, for, for the audience out there, we really appreciate the feedback. Uh, I, I sent you a picture earlier on Insta. Did you get it? Did you look at it? I did. I did look at it. Yeah. So it was from, we, one, of, it was from one, of our, one of our listeners saying how much they enjoy listening to the podcast and some of the episodes they've actually listened to more than once. That was the part that I liked was someone saying that they listened to some of the episodes more than one time. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the, the person who I sent that for, uh, to you is actually in Turkey. Really? Yeah. You know, they in, also in like, they also like, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no I, was just, I was just saying that the person who uh, you know wrote that message uh, lives in Turkey. Uh, I've been in contact with them because uh, in Turkey they're a psych major. They found me on LinkedIn. Um, you know they want to specialize in substance use, and so we were, you know connected. I kind of talked to them about you know you know a, a little bit of some of the journey and like what to kind of look for. You know whatever. And that person is, I think, hopefully trying to come to the U.S. to, to study uh, and, and get that kind of um, you know hands-on experience. So. Uh, we'll see. And yeah, she was kind enough to just write that nice message and just being like, you know, yeah, I listened to the episodes and I'm, I'm getting a lot out of it, you know, as, as a as a learner, as, as someone who's, you know, absorbing all this information. So that was really neat. Yeah, no, that, I was happy to see that. It's good. Yeah. So, uh, again, we, we, you know, we'd love to hear from the audience. So please email us at the addict and the counselor at gmail dot com. Uh, please follow us on Spotify. Listen to us on Spotify, um, Amazon Podcasts, uh, Amazon Music Podcast, and Apple Podcasts. And also wherever you might listen to podcasts, you can definitely find us. And the title of the show is The Addict and the Counselor. So, Right. And um, also, if you're listening, also, if you're listening to us on Spotify, there's a comment section that I, I put in there for, for listeners to, to comment on the episode. Oh, okay, yeah. So, new wrinkle, new new feature, new feature. Yeah, doing a little feat, new features, new add-ons. Yeah. You know, becoming very progressive into what we're doing here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I, I think you know, I, I can share. Right, is that uh, next Monday uh, we, we do have a guest uh, who's going to come in and, and talk about their journey on um on the substance use side of things and also uh, hopefully you know the, the mental health component of it all um i think they have a an awesome story and you know they've been listening along um and so you know i've known this person for quite a long time uh in, in my methuen days so uh person's going to join and kind of share however much they want to share so really exciting uh, to look forward to that and he is he your friend that that lives in florida yes yeah yeah he moved down with his family. I want to say, like, I think it was like five years ago, or yeah, he has been there a whole long time. But uh, yeah, um, you know, staying put, you know, you know, fairly permanent in Florida now. Yeah, thanks for giving me his, connecting me with his contact. Appreciate yeah, that. You're welcome anytime. Anything to help you, you know that. You're my, you're yeah, my day one. You know, you know, I'm being sarcastic, right? Because you never gave me his contact. <laughs> I don't think you've ever even asked for it. Like 500 times. I, I actually asked for it on air, I think, too, while we were recording. 
Well, you have an opportunity to then ask him for his uh, his digits uh, when he's on the show. Who the heck knows? Maybe maybe he lives like around the corner from me, and he can just come over here, and we can record together. Oh snap! Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, a lot to unfold. Uh, but yeah, that's the next episode. Uh, hopefully, people uh, will get kind of you know kick out of that of you know uh, him joining, and then obviously you know uh, you know what we bring to the table, uh, if anything at all. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, little. we wanted to kind of uh, really set the stage for you know this episode, and I, and I think you know you there's a, a specific topic that you, you know you wanted to address, and we can kind of go into it because I think a lot of people have kind of gone this route and either really take to it or really you know are frustrated with it or right. don't maybe fully understand it, and I think it's an opportunity for us to kind of go a little bit deeper into the topic. Right. So. We, throughout our episodes, we've talked about different pathways to recovery, different ways people get get to where they, they have to get in their process. And one of the things that I do that I'm, I'm, I participate in is 12-step recovery, AA and, and NA. And for years, I've been taking steps through, a, through Alcoholics Anonymous. And... There were other time. There were times earlier on. I think it was like, like in 01, 03, I did. I took some steps through Narcotics Anonymous. Now, there's two. All the the steps are the same. They're originally adopted through the um, the original authors of the twelve steps, who was Alcoholics Anonymous. All the other twelve step fellowships adopt their twelve steps that they created. And really the, the ultimate goal in taking these, these 12 steps is to help the person find a power greater than themselves to be able to, um, to defend, to, to have, serve as a defense against the substance, the addiction, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the first step in Alcoholics Anonymous is I've, we've admitted that we're powerless over our addiction or alcohol and that our lives have become unmanageable. Now for, for Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous, they do, they have the steps, like how you work the steps a little bit, they're a little bit different. Mm. So like Alcoholics Anonymous, you have the basic text of AA that they call it for short, the big book because it's a a thick book. And, um, and so you're reading like the first few chapters of Alcoholics Anonymous or different chapters in there that address step one. And really for AA, it's not a lot of writing involved in step one, step two or step three until you get to step four. That's mm. when you're going to do a lot of your writing for in Alcoholics Anonymous. For step one in Alcoholics Anonymous, you're looking at Basically, like four, four, you're looking to understand four things, four items. Um, one being that I'm going to admit to my myself, like my innermost self, that I'm I'm an addict or alcoholic. And, and would you say, Adam, like you know, the whole point of this is it to share it, or is it that kind of personal journey? Like it's almost like a you know your own journal or, or diary or something like that. Yeah. So, like for AA, you're doing. I'm doing the. I'll, I do it with a sponsor. And it's more of a conversation to see if I'm 
if I'm able to, if I agree that I'm alcoholic really, or or addict, you know, and to really, so for AA, it's the other questions or the other things to understand in step one for AA is that I lack the power of like my own power to be able to control the substance use or cure the illness. So that's another thing for me to understand in step one for a that AA tries to, you know, um, have the person understand. And then it's understanding or acquiring the knowledge of what the mental obsession is and the mental obsession, the way AA describes it, the mental obsession is that I'm obsessing of the substance prior to the use. So I obsess, I obsess, and then that will lead, if I don't have that defense against it, it leads to the eventual, eventual use. And once I use, then they call, they call it the person, the person gets the physical craving of the substance where it's beyond my mental capacity or my mental control to be able to stop at that point because I've ingested the substance. Mm-hmm. So that those are like the points or like the highlights of AA in step one. And now NA does a whole different ball game. They have a step working guide and there's tons of writing that goes on for each step. Like there's a whole host of questions to answer and to journal. It's a It's more of a, it's more of a journaling process in Narcotics Anonymous. Let, let me stop you for a second. Is that, again, in your experience, again, you, you, you've been kind of, again, sober for a long time, in and out of treatment for some time, you know, you know uh, in and out of, you know, the rooms. Um, why do you think the big differentiation in terms of how AA kind of operates uh, step one versus how NA does? Like, what's, what's your takeaway? What, what, what's the reasoning, that do, do you think, or what was explained to you? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, let me think about that for a minute. Yeah, I like I, my personal opinion is that NA is heavy on like sp- heavy heavier on the sponsorship, and AA is heavier on the God, on the higher power. Mm. And so, I like my opinion is that it probably has to do with that. Like for AA, they're quick to get you to in the hands of like a higher power. In NA, you're building your first. You're first building a relationship with your sponsor. It seems like before you get to the higher power piece. And there's some like more NA does a lot more ex, like exploration, self exploration, before you eventually get there. Is my experience. So what I wanted to share was, I've been doing a lot of AA for some years now, and I, I've stayed away from from d- taking steps in NA. Um, but I've, I've made the decision that I need to really do some like something different, right? Because I've been doing the same thing. I've been in and out relapsing. And not to say this is the reason or not, but I felt like I needed to explore step one and explore the steps like a little in a different way. So I'm using the step working guide through Narcotics Anonymous and I'm I'm taking I'm taking a step one, and so for NA it's it's this workbook with a lot of questions, and so some of the just to give you like a, an idea of like the the um, I guess what you would call 
the the subjects for step one or the um you know the the focus starts to focus on and that's denial powerlessness over the substance unmanageability in the person's life due to the substance use any reservations that the person might have to use surrendering like surrendering to win surrendering to the substance like i can't beat this thing on my own i need help i'm gonna throw in the white towel sort Mm. of thing Mm-hmm. And the last part for step one for NA is spiritual principles. So I thought tonight I would share something a little personal to me um, is some of my step one writing, if you're okay with that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. And maybe we could, you know, we could piggyback off that. Or if you have questions, you know, we could, we could have conversation about it. For sure. For sure. So, so the fir- the very first question they ask in this in the Narcotics Anonymous Step Working Guide is, "What does it's real basic, or it's just like it's what what does the disease of addiction mean to me?" Hmm. So it's basically just you know a journal of what what the what the illness means to me. So this is what I wrote on June fourteenth. It means that now I now here's a you know a little sidebar. I don't write a ton, <laughs> so just you know take it for what it is. <clears throat> no judgment, please. No judgment. Even I'll though try, I know, I'll, I'll try to keep you know that there. So it means that I'm at a point where I'm willing to throw everything and everyone away to go use. It means separating myself quickly from anyone that loves me or cares even an inkling about me. It means abandoning myself, abandoning my true self, my clean self. It means I will continue to use despite facing any type of consequence, no matter how little or small. Once I give in to the obsession, which happens while I'm clean, once ingested the substance, it takes off into physical craving that's beyond my mental control. Hmm. So that's that's what I wrote for that question. And I had some other something else I wanted to read. You want me to just move on to something to the next part that I was gonna? Uh, I, I I guess if you're comfortable in sharing, so if people yeah. can hear, how does that statement like hit home for you? Like you know, yeah. You're so aware, where where's the like you know? How's it impacting you emotionally? Yeah, like sad, like deep sadness for, mm-hmm. for for myself and the people that love me. So the part that sticks out when I look over that piece of writing, the part that sticks out most is for me is it means separating myself quickly is the adjective I used, right? Mm-hmm. Separating myself quickly from anyone that loves me or cares even an inkling about me. Mm -hmm. And then there is that other piece, like I guess the other real meaningful part would be how I'm abandoning myself, my true self. Mm -hmm. But it hit me like the way I wrote that first part that I shared is like separating myself from everyone that loves me quickly. 
Like, okay, I'm going to use, let, let's get, let's get to it. You know, I don't have time to say bye to anyone or I love you or this is what I'm going to do. There's none of that, you know. You know, technically, you know, if you were to do something like that, obviously, you know, there, there'll always be, you know, some people that would try to convince you out of it. In essence, also create ambivalence for you about, hey, maybe I think this through before I go ahead. Right. And that statement of like, I think for the audience, it's really important. I've been reflecting like on a lot of conversation I had with people where like you don't have to necessarily end up in treatment to identify yourself as an addict. A lot of people like give up substances because it does change who they are as individuals. Either they're more angry or, you know, uh, they're, they're, you know, you know, infidelity, you know, within relationships or like, you know, lying how many drinks they had. And, you know, uh, when I was at Rutgers, you know, a student said like normal people or people who don't struggle with like alcohol problems, they don't, go to places in dictating like how many drinks they're going to have or what's going to be in control and out of control. They just drink and then they stop. Um, so I think it's important that reflection that like once the system, once the drug is in your system, I think that reflection of like you being separate because you're a completely different person, you know, not just like an active user, but like your persona, your attitude, how you carry yourself, how you talk, how you walk. Everything right. changes, and I think it's important to reflect to people like if that's even a, a part of you, then it's an important consideration to take a look at like how important substances are in your life today. Right. So, yeah, you're total. You're spot on. Like total. Like I'm. Like my whole persona is different when when I'm using. You know, um, I was. <clears throat> I joke around sometimes, joke around quite a bit, right? And I was joking with someone saying, yeah, this is my, you know, my street, my street, um, you know, this is my street walk. And then I showed them like a different way I would walk or I think how I walk when I'm on the streets. And mm -hmm. it's like, it's a guarded, I'm tough guy type of walk. Or that's how I think it's being portrayed, you know? So, but yeah. And, and like, Speaking of being like totally different person, this last time, I, I mean, I showed up, I was thinking about it. It was broad. It came to my attention through, through, um, through talking with a friend, the way, like the way I showed up at my parents' home mm -hmm. when this last time I, I went in there at three 30 in the morning. They live in a, a condominium, you know, complex, right? So there's a lot of, lot of people living in this building. And I walked in there at 3.30 in the morning. I'm probably being loud. I'm, I'm all cracked out. Well, you know, I'm high as a mother. And I'm probably being loud. I walk in and they haven't seen me in a little bit or, you know, about a week, I guess, which any, any day that I'm missing is a long time for people that love you, right? Yeah. So I walk in and I, I poured myself a, a glass of wine, which I would never do in their home. And they don't, you know, they're want, they don't drink at all, really. My dad, like a few times a year, maybe. But it's like in a special place in their home for this or whatever. Poured wine. And then I demanded that my dad come out with me 
to go buy me cigarettes. And he went out with me at four in the morning to go buy me cigarettes. Like that's, that's, that's wild to think about that. Well, the, the way that I, I would use a different adjective to describe it other than wild is that what you just mentioned is love, right? Here's, here's a father seeing his son suffer uh, and, and knowing where it's all coming from. You know, it's not, it's not like, you know, he was, you know, buying you like, you know, drugs, right? right? Nicotine, right? Maybe the, the easier substance, you know, for right. him to kind of accept. And so here's his way of like helping a son in a time of need that, you know, again, is showing compassion and showing love. And it did work because the next day you were in treatment, right? Or like later on that day. Yeah, not even later on. Within two hours, I was calling Rhea from their place. So, yeah. <clears throat> so I'm going to read question, another question from step one through, through the NA working guide. And it is the question is, when a thought occurs to me, do I immediately act on it without considering the consequence? Mm. In what other ways... Or what ways do I act compulsively? And so I am going to give give you a heads up that some of this part, this writing, there is some raciness in it a little bit. I guess you would use as a as a descriptive word. Like when you say <laughs> racy, what do you mean? Uh, you'll see. <laughs> so the, here's my my writing on it. It depends. It depends. I will more likely act on the thought if I'm convinced it will it will give me immediate an immediate type of gratification. Masturbation can be a good example, i.e. racing this right there. Masturbation mm. can be a good example because I know for a fact it will give me instant pleasure. And I don't think of a consequence of failing like for me it's that type of behavior separates me from my higher power mm -hmm. you know that's for me um so feeling more separated from my higher power after or having negative feelings that might come up after that act after might come up no pun intended i wrote i wrote that down and then I said, another one is stealing. Stealing is a good example. I get a thrill while doing it. And then the getaway, then I feel terrible after, but just with a better wardrobe. Mm -hmm. mm. So, you know, I'm thinking of, you know, how, you know, how am I acting compulsively and, I'm not, the, if, if I know it's going to give me like an immediate gratification, then I'm not thinking of really the consequence too much, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think it also, you know, for me, you know, when you kind of like parallel, you know, those three things, right, is, you know, self-gratification, uh, you throw in kind of, you know, stealing and substance use, and we can go on, right, is that... Right food, um, lottery tickets, scratch tickets, yeah. uh, casinos, um, 
you know, exercise, even for some folks. is It's the reward center of the brain that is firing off in all cylinders. When you when people are like, oh, like, like, well, I don't have an addiction. Well, okay, you don't, but like, what is something that you do that you negate necessarily the consequence of the behavior and you're fixated on the reward? Right. And, and this is the kind of evolving or revolving cycle of, of any type of addiction is that the person negates the consequences and over embellishes the positive, which in essence makes it easier to engage in the behavior versus if Adam or any other Adams out there <laughs> took a step back and said, well, wait a second, let's think this through, right? I go out and I steal. What are my consequences? That like I even tell like clinically, therapeutically, when I tell people like even if you were to allow yourself to ask that second or third question about the impulsivity, you're tending yeah. not to even act on it because now the tape is kind of rolling, right? And you've heard that in in meetings and stuff like that, and we use it in therapy. Is like play the tape all the way through. And so if you play the tape all the way through, by the time that you get to question number three or four, like should I engage in that behavior? Usually you're going to find the behavior about being like, no, or, or at least not now, which then diffuses and you actually are rewiring the brain to have a different relationship to rewards and not immediate gratification, but like, like even a delayed response, which is much more helpful than kind of feeding that loop uh, at a high intensity. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I have one more I can read if you want, or if you think this is. No, I think, I think it's shedding some light into your activities, but also like, you know, emotionally, mentally, you know, what, what's happening in your head as you're on this journey. Right. Um, so. Yeah. How has my disease affected me? And then I asked, like, affected me physically, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. Mm. So you touched on, you know, those four areas. Mm -hmm. um, so physically, in the past, I've had endocarditis, almost died. There, two weeks in the hospital. There's been plenty of times where I wasn't able to walk because my feet were all mangled up from being homeless. I remember sitting in the middle of the highway on the island, unable to walk. <clears throat> there were two times that I remember having to be in a wheelchair for a few days in rehab. It takes, takes months of being clean before my blood pressure resembles a, something that's stable. Mm. Also, I've had hep C, too, and will always test, like, as positive reactor or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> excuse me. Mentally, I fall into deep depression when clean, even suicidal when clean, early in recovery. The constant loop in my mind, the constant loop in my mind about not wanting to be in this world is always in play so much so that I committed myself when I had five months clean before you, you're 
you're aware of that. Mm-hmm. A lot, it's a lot more depression than anxiety for me. The living in the past of images of what my life used to look like when I had long-term recovery and the images of shit I've done images of my children that are so vivid it makes me want to jump mentally and active addiction I'm in constant physical craving and activity and craving and inactivity to take next steps to get more drugs emotionally during active addiction most of the most of the time there's either a numbness or emptiness i remember last summer i think it was i remember sitting on the sidewalk on mass ave and it was particularly packed and active that day meaning there was a lot of action and talking and hustling addiction was in the air people seemed to be very high or more high that day than what's typical this was as good as it gets in the drug world for positivity anyways I remember sitting there and identifying total numbness as the emotion or lack of. For whatever reason, for whatever reason, that same day, and then I just like, I kind of romance it a little bit here, I guess. That same day where I boosted a ton of ice and Gatorade from Stop and Shop and made a killing, it was a hot day in the middle of the summer. And people were so high, they didn't even mind giving me two bucks for a Gatorade I was selling. My spirit, my spirit is literally taken, is taken out of me. The empty spirit is real for me in active addiction. The soullessness, the aching to feel all right with myself is so distant Mm. i've heard this phrase before and it seems to be true i'm the walking dead i could care less about spiritual values in active addiction however at times i it spirituality tries to peek through by helping another addict on the streets in some way whether that's literally pulling them out of standing in the middle of the street so they don't get hit or give them some extra drugs because they're in withdrawal or whatever yeah that's what i got for that Mm -hmm. i think i'm closing my notebook right now i think i'm going to close it up No, that that last piece is, you know, very, very powerful and and very vivid to, you know, that active state and kind of what's happening. I think a lot of people in, you know, 
active addiction and substance use would would probably relate to a good chunk of that that kind of that void that that black hole you know internally and that numbness you know which helps cycle through you know the use and, and again you know you touched you touched on it right there's there's that the physiological side of it you know so the physical cravings of mm-hmm. I, i'm 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 out and i'm starting to kind of withdraw whatever it might be and yeah. so my brain is racing to get more somehow some way and all the things kind of come along with it and that numbness that you feel which is a part of that cycle also but knowing that that's like it's only touching the surface of that void and nothing deeper beyond that because how could it right yeah yeah that was deep yeah thanks for listening to it i don't know let's uh appreciate that yeah i wonder the viv- the vividness like that's i i think that's what makes it you know that's what makes it traumatic is i can remember it like it was yesterday yeah. to be able to recall something like that 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 means that it was traumatic for me and i re- i remember that <clears throat> what i just shared about sitting on the side and this was last summer I remember sitting on the sidewalk and like my thought was i needed to make a decision on whether i was going to go left to go steal some stuff at target or I was gonna or I was gonna go right to go panhandle and during like me during while I was thinking about you know what I'm gonna do it came over me the feeling of of emptiness and numbness like I I had awareness of it mm-hmm. I remember That's like think, I remember thinking I remember thinking this is what numb numb is this is what emptiness is and out there, you don't like. I don't always feel that way because you're high, you're doing something, you're, you know. But for that, that was, moment, I, it was there, and I identified it. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, I, I think again, it's, it's, it's very powerful in the way that you're saying, and you know, I really hope that you know, the audience, you know, who is in recovery or seeking recovery, like, really pays attention to that because that's the cycle, right? That's what gets people staying in it, you know, longer what they maybe have intended to stay in it. Right. Um, And that idea of like, you know, for some people I know, like shutting off the voices in their head, you know, whatever it might be, you know, positivity or negativity is just, or overthinking, you know, like, hey, at least I'm numb, right? I'm not kind of faced with, you know, my own reality. Mm. Uh, that's soothing for people who can't find, you know, solace or, 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 or silence, you know, mm. on their own or, or, or through like healthier mm. meat. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a yeah. lot of that stuff kind of, you know, happening and, you know, you and I have talked about this in, in depth kind of off, <laughs> off air over the many years. Again, it's, it is also that notion of like emotional, growth and development and tolerance building to discomfort Uh, and so if you're constantly self-medicating uh to get to that numbness then you will never necessarily achieve um you know tolerance building to you know healthy or unhealthy 
a positive, I should say positive or negative emotions. Right. Some of the work that I do is actually taking people through like the emotional uh, charts and really saying like, hey, like what, which, which one of these things do you tend to avoid more than others, et cetera. Let, let's kind of go through them and really identify like <laughs> how powerful and how moving it is for you because this stuff can happen, you know, without someone intending to get to this kind of state. And I think that's always the interesting thing that I've always heard of, of working with you know, people with addiction is, right, the statement of, I never thought it would happen to me, and I didn't want to get this bad, and I thought it was only going to be a, a weekend kind of thing. Right. There's more to it, and I think you're really diving deep into it. There's more to it than just the substance itself or the high it gives somebody or whatever that kind of momentarily relief that people are seeking there's a lot of stuff kind of underneath all of that which people want a break from let it be emotionally mentally physically spiritually Uh, and you know sadly access to substances are more available uh easier to some degree than you know finding help and going through that process. Um, I know as a treatment provider, and and, and there's a lot of evidence, especially with substance use disorders, is when someone asks for help to to get them to treatment immediately, not in the morning, not later on at night, not when there's an open bed, none of that kind of stuff, because of exactly, Adam, how you kind of paint that picture, that flip of a switch of like, I'm gonna go steal to get more drugs, or I need to get the hell off the streets. Oh, is man. is a split second and yeah. for us as treatment providers that's that's where the biggest letdown is um for people out there to to get the help because that's where you're maximizing all of their energy like hey i need help boom you know get them in a taxi get them in a whatever yeah. go pick them up whatever the case might be and, and get them rolling to treatment is uh, uh Im- immensely valuable because you can you know lose that person or lose that motivation um right. and, and yeah yeah, like you're saying, small, very small opportunity window of opportunity for the addict when they're when they're feeling that motivation to get into treatment. I you can lose that that motivation within seconds. You know, something happens and that that opportunity is lost, or you're not thinking about going into treatment anymore. You know, and who knows if the person's going to have an opportunity to go into treatment ever again, right? Um, You don't know if the person's going to be motivated the next day or a year from, you don't know what a year from then, you don't know when that person is going to be, feel that motivation again. So it's so important. I'm like the majority of the times that I've gone into treatment in the past, past year and a half, two years, at least that, in that in Boston, the resources are on the streets. Like you have workers out there and you have the engagement center that is open to help people for treatment, to give people a break. Um, You have the, you have um, a day program that's there. That's walk-in. You have the needle exchange and they're all there. Like if you want treatment, you tell someone at any of those places that you want treatment, they're all in. They're helping you right back. Yeah, yeah. Which is cool, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> no, for sure. 
Yeah. Um, no, yeah. I mean, I, I think all, all of that is, is kind of immensely valid. But I wanted to ask you as we're like wrapping up, you know, today's episode, um, how long do you think uh, it should take someone in recovery going through the steps? Because I know this is like a, a little bit of a kind of hot topic for, for some individuals, but yeah, a lot of- more about. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good question. I mean, the, it's more of a controversy, believe it or not, how long someone waits before they start taking the steps is more of a controversy because some people mm-hmm. will say, oh, you should get just get a year clean before you start taking steps. Or then the other, the other person, the other side is, no, as soon as possible, day two clean, you should start taking steps. So that's more of the controversy versus how long it takes. Um, so I like there's been times where I've believed no, the, the sooner the person gets in the steps, the better. And then there's been other times where I've, I've thought, no, you know what? Like, let me get, let me clear up my mind a little bit more before I get into it. So the argument can definitely be both ways. Yeah. I just like this for a lot of people that believe in 12 step recovery, that's the solution. So why they're, the argument it like the strong argument is if you're going to be in a 12 step program, then why don't you start taking 12 steps? Right. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like the argument there. Mm -hmm. Um, The other, you know, you are to, to touch on your question though, your initial question, how long to go through the steps. It's, it's really how motivated the person is, I believe. So like for narcotics anonymous, you're going to, one, you're going to take a lot longer than AA because you have all these questions that you're you're journaling on. In AA, you're not doing a lot of journaling. You're the, like I said earlier, the majority of the writing in AA is going to be in your the person's fourth step. Mm-hmm. And really, once the person gets through the first nine steps, the ninth step being making an amend, making amends. So mm-hmm. once you get to step nine then steps 10, 11, and 12, 10 is taking a daily inventory. So you're just looking at your shit day to day on how you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. Step 11 is seeking prayer and meditation. And then step 12 is helping another addict out. So mm-hmm. the 10 and 11 and 12 are really just live day to day living amends. You're, you're living one through nine through steps 10, 11, and 12. Do you understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, 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 interesting way of putting it. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, I, I, I you know, and, and for the audience who may have flirted with this idea or, you know, have thought about it, you know, two perspectives that I want to share is that one, it's personal, right? Is that it's not like, you know, taking the exam in like bio class where you have 45 minutes to like get through all these questions, right? It's personal. It should be, it should be deep. It should move you to change, right? It shouldn't just be, I'm answering questions for the sake of answering questions either to a sponsor or, or to a group or my mom or dad or whomever. It's a, it's a, it's a personal deep, uh, you know, journey. Um, the thing that Adam's mentioning like workbooks and all these kinds of stuff, folks, Google it, go on Amazon, which you know, we do a lot of our shopping on Amazon, go on Amazon and type in like recovery workbook. And you're going to see a slew of text that Adam is referring to, through the so, AA and right, right. Bob- so, so for Barbara, so for for like NA, 
I, you can just download that working guide. Like I downloaded it, didn't pay a dime for it. Although I have a hard copy as well, yeah. but it's as easy as just type Googling in narcotics anonymous working guide. And then you can just download it to your, your phone. AA, AA is no working guide. You, you, you have, you go through the steps through the big book, through their basic text. Yeah. But, but again, then, other, then you have like other stuff like Hazelton has stuff available. There's, you know, there's a million other million things you can do. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, it, it's, you know, again, I, I share that to, to, for the sake of like, for some people who are maybe like on the fringes of like changing their substance use, like you don't have to go to a meeting to have access to these books. Like right. you can buy them on your own and, and they can be very enlightening. Yeah. The last thing I want to say is that like, a lot of people like working in the field and not necessarily identifying as addicts or alcoholics, you know, themselves. If you look at the, 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 the 12 steps in a kind of very uh, open-minded perspective, it really is a, is a, it's a reflection of like being like a really good person and being self-reflective. So it, you don't have to like change a behavior particularly, but like if you go these things, these steps, right you know, making amends to people like, Hey, like I may have snapped at you. Like I apologize. That's amends to somebody, yeah. right? Powerlessness is just like, Hey, sometimes I'm a weak human being and I have to work on that. Um, I have to take a daily inventory. Like I do that clinically with clients all the time. Like, Hey, can you reflect on kind of the journey that you were on today? And you know, what things that you accomplished, you know, what things that you want to improve on all like the 12 steps can be applied to non addict, uh, lives and I think it just really embraces our humanity and our ability to say like I'm one of, of like billions and I want to improve in, in, in areas of my life and I like these questions or these steps are a constant awareness of that growth yeah very well put Bob Rose mm. thanks yeah no I really this episode was a little different. We're not, we're not usually heavy handed on the 12 step stuff, <laughs> uh, but I think that, you know, I think there should be an episode of it. Cause that's, that's one of oh. the programs that I'm working. So yeah. why not share a little bit? And I'm glad that you got, you know, you were able to, to listen to some of my stuff. No, no, thank you. Thank you for uh, shedding some light and insight in, in, into you know, what's going on in your, in, you know, in your thoughts and your head. And so um, hopefully it's cathartic for you and hopefully it's beneficial to our audience. Yeah. Cool. Right. So what? Transition. You want to transition? Is that what you want to do? Yeah. You'll transition. Yeah. yeah let's, do do it. let's do it. Do you want to play the transition music? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. Beautiful. Hey, I was listening to that that podcast that I've been promoting on here, Normal Gossip. <laughs> I really recommend it after listening to our podcast, of course. But I was listening to an episode earlier and they were described. So, you know, I was talking up their audio, their what you know, their um, you know, what do you call it? You know, that we just did there. What, what do you call that? 
Sound effects? Sound effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Sound effects. Thanks. I'm a little off today. So uh, the sound effect they did. So they were descri- in this episode of Normal Gossip. They were describing. They were describing like a club atmosphere. And they they had like the background side effect was like in a club. <laughs> I thought it was cool. Yeah, nice. Whatever. <laughs> Something. Oh, and can I? Can I? The other? Did I tell you the other night? Just like random thing that I wanted to share with you. All right, make it quick. Ah, uh, forget it. No, I was going to share how I li- I was able to live stream Taylor Swift's concert in Denver, oh, and just how she fucking killed it. Like she is, she's freaking amazing, dude. She's amazing, that woman. Hey, you sounded kind of funky there. Uh, yeah, something uh, I forgot to turn off uh, Bluetooth and something else connected to it on its own. Oh, I thought you were trying to do a sound effect, like a real one. <laughs> no, no, I'm not doing any sound effects. <laughs> yeah, so, so I was able to live stream her her Eras tour concert from the other night in Denver. There was someone on Instagram that was live streaming it, and I, it was it was unbelievable. So In the, the stage, the stage transition to nineteen eighty nine era was was fabulous. It was fabulous. Yeah. Not that not that like more. You know, you don't have to be a woman or identify as female to be into Taylor Swift, right? I mean, come on. I'm not making that statement. I'm I, just not I a Taylor that... Swift fan. You obviously are. Love T Swift. I'm a s I think I'm identified as a Swifty now. You're easily a Swifty. Are you nuts? Of course you were. With I... all the things on streaming ability and <laughs> not nowadays, <laughs> you streamed a lot. Taylor Swift, you're officially a Swifty. Okay, I might get a, I might get some T Swift swag too, like a T-shirt. Yeah, I'm sure you will, and she'll love you for it. All <laughs> right, to our segments, the five controversies. Hey, you're. Hey, I want you to know you're coming in like really weird, unclear. Like it doesn't sound. I have the volume <laughs> way high. I have strong Wi-Fi connection. I don't know. Like, I can understand you. You're just coming in differently than you've been. Like, a little, like, slightly. It's echoey. It's a little echoey. Yeah, I don't want to spend the next 20 minutes trying to figure you out, but, so just. I'll speak loud and clear for the five controversies. Um, first one, domestic no, versus wait, international we... travel. When we make it big, we're not going to, we're not going to have to deal with this, right? Your, your horrible audio. <laughs> no, no, we'll, we'll have top notch equipment. All right. Okay. All right. Do it again. Say it again. Oh God. Domestic versus international travel. Um, I don't do enough of either to have an opinion. 
Mm-hmm. Which one do you prefer? Which one would you prefer? Domestic. What's that? Domestic. Domestic. I don't even have a reason for it, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's me not being born in the U.S. and always having that kind of that travel back to Turkey and stuff. Definitely mm-hmm. seen like other countries. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I love traveling within the U.S. You know, w- one of my bucket lists is actually seeing uh, all 50 states at some point. Um, <laughs> but um, international, yeah, l- l- you know, love traveling to you know different countries and trying to see you know, a lot more countries also. All right. Yeah. Um, next one, um, deodorant roll or deodorant spray? The roll, deodorant roll. I don't, I don't like the spray because I don't like to breathe that. I don't like to breathe it in. You're not supposed to spray it in your mouth, Adam. It goes under your armpits. Oh, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> no shit. No shit. No, I know, but if it's in the air, it runs a risk of getting of you inhaling it. Mm-hmm. And when I'm in recovery, I'm not gonna inhale that. You know anything. That I shouldn't be. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I've used a deodorant roll for ever, pretty much. I do have the spray, like in my car. Like if I've, like, I don't know if I'm not smelling like fresh, I'll have the spray in the car. It's kind of like easier yeah. to use. Um, but yeah. definitely prefer the the roll over the spray, also. Yeah, for the same reason. No, not for the same right. reason at all. It's it's. Called being an adult and holding your breath for a millisecond until the spray diffuses. <laughs> I'm really, I'm like that with any spray. Like, I don't like, you know, air freshener spray, like anything, even cologne, cologne spray. I just, I, I'm really cautious about, about breathing that stuff in. Mm, all right. All right. Uh, next, next question. I, I think this is an easy one for us, but it you might be a struggle like for like did, other people. You sounded like you didn't care about what I was saying just then. No, no, okay. no. I, I definitely tuned it out. Thanks. Yeah. Um, I, I think this is a homework question for both you and I, but uh, Harvard mm-hmm. versus Yale. I mean, I go Harvard. I mean, I feel I, I don't know this for a fact, and I know the people over at Yale are extremely bright people. Some of the brightest people in the world have went to Yale. So a lot of you our presidents be smart to get into Yale. A lot, a lot of our presidents have been to Yale, but I, I believe that Harvard is like a smidge above Yale. Yeah, I mean, obviously they're one of the top two. Ivy League schools in you know the U.S. and sought out you know worldwide, but um, yeah, I mean I think I've, you know being in Mass and like driving on the Cambridge side and getting to like Harvard Square and all that kind of stuff, just knowing the history and you know how like the academic prowess is there. I mean it's like a really powerful thing. I've never been on the campus of Yale, so you know whatever that's worth, but I think it's a, just you know. Mm. We're from Massachusetts, you know, Harvard's Harvard's a GM. Everyone knows Harvard. Like it's right. it's it, it, it's a deal for us. 
I, th I think th this question, I know what you're going to pick. Um, you do. Uh, golf versus tennis. 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 I played tennis from when I was, I think I was eight years old until I was about 14. I played tennis. I entered tournament, tennis tournaments. Um, I didn't play like high school or like real organized tennis, except for like the tournaments that I'd enter. And every summer I would play like summer league tennis within like the city. And mm. some of those summers I taught, I, I taught summer league tennis for the city. Wow. Did you, wow. Is, that what you thought, is that what you thought I was going to say? Yeah, of course, of course. Do you remember us, you and I, playing tennis? Vaguely. Oh my god! Tell me about it, so and then it can you can refresh oh, my memory. Like you, you had said, like, oh, I played tennis from like, you know, when I was ten years old. I'm like, okay. dude, you're in your thirties now. Like, like, who gives a crap? <laughs> what are you talking about? Did I beat your ass? Did I beat your ass? What? Did I beat your ass? Can I get to the story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you yeah. have a, a millisecond of patience? So I'm yep. like, all right, like, like I challenge myself physically. Like I, I'll, I'll put myself in like different sports that I'm not sure, not actually comfortable with, and I can kind of like pick up quickly, you know, whatnot. But um, Adam whooped me really, really quickly. I think we played for maybe a total of like 35 minutes, and it was just like score after score. I mean. I'm, I may have gotten the ball over the net appropriately, like maybe like two or three times, which is you know, really exciting. But uh, you're really, really good at tennis. A, hit, a hidden talent of Adams. Thank you. I have not played for about 10 years, just so you know. Yeah, it's like riding a bike. Come on. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I, like, I, I've done tennis. I have a tennis racket, tennis balls, whatever. But like, I've, I got into golf in my like early-ish to mid-20s. Uh, I haven't play, played in the last few years with a lot of things that have been going on, but I love, I could play honestly golf every single day if I had the time and money to do so. Oh. I think it's awesome. Uh, yeah. You know, lots of, lots of joy, lots of challenges. Yeah. Uh, all right. That was number four. Uh, the fifth one, the lineup. This one's, I think is interesting. I'm not sure, you know, if there's a preference out there, but we're going to throw it out there. People yeah. play at home. Um, Ketchup versus mayo. Ketchup. You like mayo. I know you like mayo. Mayo. Um, I do like mayo, but it, it's not a diverse condiment. Yeah. So right. So ketchup, I can put on a lot of many different things. Right. Yeah. Mayo, I can't really do that. With. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <clears throat> yeah. Yep. I, I know. I mean, there's other people like who you know dip things into mayo. You know, whatever the case might be, but like. Yeah, for sure. I think ketchup is more diverse. You can put it on all kinds of, you know, meats or whatever. Um, yeah. You know, you know, maybe like the original dipping sauce or whatever. Yeah, and I will put in a plug for organic ketchup. Once you start organic ketchup, you'll never go back. Like, there's a, <laughs> there's a huge difference, I Big feel difference. like, between organic and regular ketchup. Yeah. You're a lot of. Yeah, so uh, I believe this is episode number 17 uh, in our uh, season one of uh, <laughs> the Addict and the Counselor podcast. 
Um, so thank you all for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you took something from it all. Please email us at the addict and the counselor at Gmail with any questions, concerns, comments, or any topics that you want us to cover, and we'll dive uh, headfirst into it all. Uh, please follow us on uh, Spotify, uh, Amazon Music Podcast, and uh, Apple Podcast, and anywhere else that you listen to podcasts. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate uh, the, the listening time. And also, if I can, if I can say, if you're listening to our podcast on Spotify, please use our comment section and give us a comment on how, how what you thought about this episode. We'd really appreciate it. We'd love, love to have that engagement with our, uh, our our listening audience. So, thank you all very much, and uh, stay tuned for us uh, next week. Until next time, hey, right. Bob Rose, leave yes, me sir. alone. Leave me oh. alone. Leave me alone. I will. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Later.